Well, Merry Christmas, everybody. Yeah, glad that you're here. Welcome. If I haven't had a chance to meet you, my name's Jason. We're glad that you're, uh, you're here. I get the privilege of being pastor. And um, hey, I uh, don't know. I mean, I'm sure I know we have several first-time guests here. And so I don't know what brought you in. Maybe you're uh, just looking for somewhere to spend Christmas Eve or uh, somebody drug you in, or you know, this is just part of the family deal. You go to church when you visit. And so whatever it is, we're glad that you're here. And so our hope is that uh, today is, is meaningful for you. You notice, obviously, this is a family service. There's kids everywhere, which means a few things. One, it means service is not going long. That's what that means, first of all. And I was just like, I was just thinking about all the things that could go wrong in a moment like this. It's a lot. It's a, lo- it's a long list. So I thought, well, first of all, if there's babies crying, you know, this is, this is Christmas. So, uh, you know, just remember the nativity scene, you know, baby Jesus crying. People are walking in and out. I just, it's the way it goes. It's, there were shepherds there too. And then if any of these kids start running up and down the aisles, well, there were barn animals there too. So it's just all, it's, we're just acting out a modern day nativity scene right here. We're glad, we're glad that you're here. Hey, listen, we are going to do a candlelight service. If you did not get candles uh, or a candle on your way in, just slip up your hand right now and one of our host team members will get you one. Anybody? Nobody? What? Oh, right on the front row again. This happened in the first service too. There's a one person on the front row. We almost, he was in early, so we got it. We cut our team some slack. He was here early, Andrew. There you go. Right on. Okay. Good deal. Um, hey, I, by the way, before we, I know for those of you that are regulars here, you got a text. We told you, man, we got, we got big news. Before I share that with you, I want to just tell you a couple things. Uh, next week, there's no service. We're not having any services next week. And so after, this is the last service of the year. Next time we'll gather is two weeks from today, January 7th. And we're kicking off our new series called Uphill Habits. And um, we're just sort of, you know, listen, we all have things that we want to be different in the year moving forward. Well, believe it or not, you might be surprised the scripture has a lot to say about why we change and how we change. And uh, uh, a lot of times what we think needs to change is actually just, uh, it's usually secondary, it's downstream stuff. And so we're going to see what scripture has to say about the best way to make 2024 the best year of our life spiritually. And so we'll talk more about that in a couple weeks. Be here January 7th. All right, I did tell you that there was big news to, be, to, to come. And, and I said, you don't, don't miss the weekend. Well, um, it's, this is not a secret. We've been out of space. We, our kids' space, we ran out of space with our kids' environment 12 months into church here. And, um, and we've just sort of been doing everything we can to, there, there's not a square inch in our building or the kids' space that's not being utilized. I mean, we've even talked, is there any way we could go up a level in this? You know, it's like, no, we can't. It's not tall enough. Anyway, we, we're trying to. And over the last 18 months, we've had, we've had different opportunities. We thought, well, let's try to see if we can find a new building. This has been great. But to be honest with you, this is, um, this is, a, this is, a, this is not a permanent church home. This, has been, this is temporary. And so over the last 18 months, we've had different options. There's been some opportunities that we thought, oh my goodness, we found where our first permanent church home is going to be and then just let down. And so we, we've had a lot of that in the last 18 months. And, um, but a, a few months ago, we had an opportunity come up. And uh, to be honest, at one time, we, we didn't think it was going to come through. And I am excited to tell you that it has. And as a church, we are officially under contract to purchase our first permanent church home. Yeah. And listen, this is, this is super exciting for many reasons. I'm going to show you, if, if you're familiar with Williston, you will probably recognize this. It's an existing church building, and uh, it's in a neighborhood. And uh, go ahead and pull up the first picture. I'm sure you've recognized it's the uh, older Episcopalian church in the neighborhood there. By the way, it's, it's got just as much under the ground as it does above the ground. 
minus the, the giant A-frame. And, uh, but um, uh, it's not quite enough room, like lobby space, there's not any in it. We're actually going to have to put an addition off the front of it. And so after we close, we'll start some work. Go to the next picture here. Listen, I know it's not beautiful now, but it will be when we are done with it, okay? It's going to look totally different by the time we, we are able to move on this and move into it. Just to give you some ideas of like what, it's, what we're aiming for, we have some conceptual drawings. Go ahead and pull up the first one. This is not to scale, uh, but this is just gives you some idea of like what we're thinking and, and what, we're, what we're shooting for, for w- when we move into this. And so you can kind of get, get an idea. This is what we're hoping for, for our lobby space. Go to the next one here. Yeah, we have like some kids' play area. Again, some more lobby space here. And um, man, I, I will tell you, I'm very excited to give our kids the, the adequate and the necessary space. Listen, church isn't just for parents and, and adults. It's for the whole family. And I'm just telling you right now, if I'm excited about anything, it's that our kids deserve a better church home than what they have right now. So this is really exciting. So um, full transparency, in order to get into this building, and in order to close on it, we're going to need about $200,000 roughly to be able to close on it. And uh, I know, you, you know, Freedom Church, you've been generous from the beginning, so I'm not, I'm not concerned about that. But I will say it is end of year. And so if you're like my family and you're thinking about end of year giving at all, you got like seven days left. We got huge projects in front of us. And so if you are on the fence about end of year giving, now's the time to do it. You got seven days left. Make sure it's postmarked before the end of the year if you want that to count toward 2023. But uh, go ahead and take advantage of that and then... And then on that note, uh, if you did come prepared to give, we're going to do this all at the beginning of service. If you came prepared to give, this is not for our guests, but this is for those who call Freedom Church home. You can pull that out right now, and um, we're going to take that up. And then but those that are, if this is your first time or you're visiting, um, grab a connection card out of the seat back in front of you. We would love to um, just tell you thanks for spending Christmas with us. Just send you a free gift. Just tell you thanks for being here. We're not going to call you and bother you, but you can go ahead and pull all that out. I don't know about you, but I am super pumped about this new building coming our way for Freedom Church. And uh, looking forward to, listen, I'm, I'm telling you that this next year, um, we don't even know what's in store for us. And this isn't about just having a building for the sake of a building. It's not about just having more space for the sake of more space. Uh, we're, we're doing this because Freedom Church launched with the idea and the mission of reaching people in Williston. I got news for you. Um, as, as full as the room may feel to you right now, and it was just as full in the first service, I'm going to say right now, there's a whole lot more people to reach in Williston, a whole lot more people that God wants to reach with Freedom Church. And so this building's going to let us do that. So very excited about that. Okay, let's do this. Let's pray. Let's pray over our giving, the rest of our service, and then we will jump into it. Father God, we're grateful for you. Thank you. Thank you for sending Jesus. Just, just We take a moment. We just take a time out for the year where we remember that, that you, you didn't just, you don't deal with us from a distance. You don't deal with us from an, with an, from an arm's length away, but that you're, that you're in it with us. And you sent Jesus to come and live with us and to, and to bear the burden of life that we live. And you did it for us. And so we're just, we remember that this today as we celebrate Christmas. And we remember too, what an act of generosity that was. You gave everything. And that's why our generosity, as we give here this morning, that's an act of worship. Receive our worship. It's our way of just saying, you gave your best, so we give our best, and we love you, and we love you with the best and, and, and the most that we have. We love you with everything in us. Thank you for blessing the rest of our service here. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, amen, amen. amen. Okay, host team, you can go ahead and pass buckets. All right, probably the most, most read verse uh, around Christmas time is Luke 2, verse 10. It says this, and so the angel said to them, do not be afraid, 
For behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. I think probably my, one of my biggest concerns, I think it's probably the biggest threat we have as far as just the church and just sort of, we, we just sort of like, we get um, influenced by our culture more easily than we realize. And I think one of the effects of that is that the Christmas story just becomes sort of cliche. It's like if we've heard this once, we've heard it dozens and countless of times potentially. I just, it's just the Christmas story. A lot of you, you're just kind of here and you're kind of like, we're going to go through the motions. You're going to hear the same old Christmas story and then move right along. But but I, I, think, I think we're missing something if it, when it becomes cliche. To be quite honest with you, the Christmas story, this is an upside-down story. We've been, at the, we've been in a series called Reclaimed, and we started, about, we started by talking about reclaiming the table. That Jesus comes in, and he actually, he actually uh, with all the problems that the world had, with all the, the problems that the culture that he found himself would have identified, he said, actually, your real problem is not the problem you think it is. And he comes into the world, and he starts reclaiming things that nobody was thinking about. like the table, and hospitality. And, and he, he comes in and he reclaims things that people want. Oh, wait, that's our problem? Jesus going, yeah, you think it's other things, but it's actually something else. And see, the whole Christmas story and the message, it's an upside-down story. In fact, there's probably, there's, we're going to go through little parts of this story, and, and we're here in a little bit, we're going to read the Christmas story. And my, my hope is that as I, as I read the Christmas story today, maybe we can shed some light on these first few minutes on it, on some of the details where it, it hits you and it, it, a little differently. Maybe you see it through a, a lens you haven't, you haven't seen it or heard it f- before. Is that fair? Upside down story. I was, I was thinking about how upside down the, the Christmas story really is. Jesus coming in to the earth as a baby to save us ultimately. I was thinking about, um, for those of you that are part of Freedom Church, you know I, I was in the military for some time. And uh, one of the jobs I got, I, I had the privilege of doing when I was serving, is uh, I, would, I was able to augment with uh, the Secret Service every now and then. And so there was sometimes where I would go and I would work in the White House. And when it, part of the responsibilities was, was if the president or vice president was going to have an important meeting, I would be the one that would, would go in there with a other group of guys and we would just make sure the area and the building and the rooms were secure. So whether it was a hotel or whether it was somewhere in the actual White House, wherever it was. And I remember this one event and it was the president and there was going to be, I don't know, I'm guessing maybe 12 people around the table. And it, was, it looked like you, would, like you would think. It was ornate. I mean, everything was just, everything was out. I mean, it was, it was a big deal. You know, it looks like, you know, 10, 12 of the most powerful people in the world are about to gather around this, this table for dinner that night. And there I am, I'm in my 20s, and I'm like walking around this table. One, can't believe what I'm doing. I'm like, my goodness, who, what am I, how did I get here? I don't even know. How, I'm from Oklahoma. How did this happen, you know? And so I'm looking around this table. I'm like, and then I had this thought going to my mind. And I thought, I just I was looking around the table. And I thought, where's my seat? Do I, do I get a seat at this table? Of course, that's ridiculous. Uh, no, you don't, you don't get it. Can you imagine me sitting at that table? They'd be like, um, one of these doesn't fit. Like this is, and if it did, if they were like, oh, no, 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 that's, that's Jason's seat right there. You'd be like, is this the twilight zone? Just upside down world. Like, n- no, not only did I not have a seat at that table, I'm never going to have a seat at that table. And it would have been quite upside down, as upside down as that scenario would be. This, is a more, this, this story of Christmas is even more upside down. Let, I'll give you some examples. There's little details in this story we just sort of take for granted. You remember this story, Joseph and Mary. Here they are, she's pregnant. She comes into the town. She's trying to find a place because she's about to give birth. And so they go to the inn. And remember, there's no room at the inn. And we all think, you know, the Holiday Inn or the Best Western down the street. It's like, yeah, no vacancy. What do you expect us to do? No, no. 
believe it or not, when they say there's no room, what they're actually talking about is that there's no room for you in this. It's actually the upper room of this place. So the same upper room where, where he likely had his last supper. The same upper room where his disciples were likely gathered and the Holy Spirit descended on. And, 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 you know, and the church of Christ was born in that moment. Like It's that same room. And, and what's happening in this story, again, because we just think, we just think no vacancy. What's happening is, is he's coming to his people. The people he's there to save. And his family walks in and they say, there's no room for you here. It's a story of rejection. I got news for you. There's always room for your family. You wouldn't even treat your neighbors that way. Can you imagine that? A couple comes to your door. She's about to give birth. And you're like, you know what? Barn animals out back. That's where you're staying. You wouldn't even do that. But they did. Why? Because his own community rejects him. And then while his own community rejects him, we hear this story that people from the east come to worship him. Now, again, that might not mean much to you, but in the Bible... Whenever you move away from God, you move east. So Adam and Eve, brokenness and sin comes in. Where, where do they leave? They leave the garden and they go east. Cain kills Abel. Where does Cain go? Cain goes east. Read the book of Ruth. Where do you go when you move away from God? You move east. And yet here is Jesus, rejected by his own people and his own homeland. And people from the east come and worship him. Outsiders. And then on top of that, he's called the Prince of Peace. At the height of violence, he's called the Prince of Peace. And then the angel visits Joseph and says, you got to get out of here. Somebody's about to murder the child. You need to leave. And he says, where do I go? And he says, go to Egypt. Egypt. Listen, if you're a Jew, if you're in Israel, listen, Egypt is the place you are rescued from, not the place that you go to save your life. Egypt represents everything that's wrong. Even for us, Egypt, when we read scripture, it represents everything that's wrong with culture, everything that's wrong with humanity. Listen, Egypt is the place you go to die. Egypt is the place that you go to be enslaved. And if you get to keep your life, you lose your dreams and you lose your hope for the future. That's Egypt. I think for a lot of us, we can relate to Egypt because a lot of us, we look at that and we just go, God, I would be so much happier and I would be in such a better place. And you know what? I would actually even pay attention to you more if you would get me out of this situation if you would fix the circumstances, if you get me out of Egypt. And see what I love about this story, because again, he flips it upside down because I got news for you. He is the God that comes and rescues you out of Egypt. We read that whole book called the Exodus out of Egypt. He shows up and he rescues you out of those places. But you know what else? He's also the God that shows up on the scene with Jesus and he lets us know Egypt's not your biggest problem. Egypt's not the biggest problem. I can, I can get you out of the place, but see, the, re- the real problem is, is here. And see, this, this whole story, this whole story, he flips it upside down. And those things that represent everything that's wrong, Jesus, listen, it's not out of reach. Egypt's not out of reach for redemption. None of it's out of reach. He's in, the, he's in the process of redeeming from his very birth. See, I love this because Egypt goes from that place that's full of death and it goes to a place that's full of life. And see, that's the power of God with us. That's what he's called. Emmanuel, God with us. This is the power of God with us. It means that, it means that the place that you thought that nobody saw you, it means that God sees you. It, it means that this, the place and the, and the situation, the circumstances that you're in, that feel, that feel lifeless, that feel like they feel hopeless, they feel impossible. It means that they're actually life. They can become life-giving and full of possibility. 
Those places where, that you're in and the circumstances where you go, it feels, like, it feels like nobody cares. And it turns out, well, God does care. And those places and the circumstances, whether it's a relationship right now, whether it's your own kids, whether it's loneliness, whatever it is, and it looks like, man, there's really no hope. Jesus comes on the scene. He turns it all upside down. He says, actually, there is hope. There's real hope here. So I think about that story. There I am in the White House, looking around this table, and it's upside down, and it's absolutely crazy as it would be that I would have a seat at that table. Listen, it's more upside down that you and I would have a seat at the Creator's table. It's a crazier story, except one of those is real, and one of them is never going to happen. You have a seat at the table. You have an invitation to sit at the table. The answer is, the question is, do we respond to the invitation, and how do we respond to the invitation? So one of the things I, I think that we've kind of lost sight of in our culture right now is with holidays. Holidays just become equivalent to um, the, the, a day we get off. At least if we're in Williston, we hope it's the day we get off at least. We hope we, hope we get off for that day. And that's really what it, what it becomes. Or spending a lot of money. One of those two things. But, but see, here's what it should be. Here, here's what it's meant to be. It's meant to be a moment in your life where you pause. You pause and you reflect. You reflect on what's really going on. Again, remember what he said? Stop, don't be afraid, but behold, be perceptive. Get eyes up, recognize this moment that you're in. And I think a moment like this is a great moment. If you're not a follower of Jesus, this is a moment to go, I mean, I don't, may not understand it all. It may not make a whole lot of sense to you yet, but you know what? He said he was God, he died, he rose again. I'm gonna follow that guy. I'm gonna follow his way. And if you are a follower of Jesus, this is a great moment to reaffirm that covenant, reaffirm your commitment to be like him, to be with him, to do the things that he did, to follow Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, we just pray right now. We just, we just confess. We give you ourselves. If you're not a follower of Jesus, and you'd like to commit your life to him right now. This is the moment to do it. Just in your own way, just tell him, I'm going to follow you. I don't get it all, but I'm going to follow you moving forward. I say yes to the invitation at your table. I give you my whole life. For those of you that are a follower of Jesus, just take this moment and just reaffirm your commitment to him. I give you my whole life. I give you my, my plans for 2024. I give it all to you. And I say, not my will, but your will be done in my life moving forward. We love you. We love you. Receive our worship today. We give you our best. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, amen. amen.